0: Well, we move into our time of teaching here and then we will uh, observe the lord's table so yes matthew chapter 21 if you have your bible or if you bring it up online or whatever you have with you uh, matthew chapter 21 verse 8 a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went ahead of him jesus and that followed were shouting hosanna hosanna to the son of david Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Matthew chapter 21, verses 8 through 11. So, Palm Sunday, this first day of the week. This was the way the gospel was supposed to go about Jesus. This was the way it was supposed to all turn out. This is the happy, glad ending that was supposed to happen. Jesus enters the capital of Israel amidst cheers and hosannas, entering as the, son, uh, as the Savior King of this nation, oppressed for over 700 years by various empires, the latest one being the Roman Empire. And the armies of heaven are supposed to show up and smite the Roman garrison in Pontius Pilate, the ridiculous King Herod will be tossed out by the people's own sword and everyone's going to rise up and there'll be a, a revolution. And the morally oppressive Pharisees and the politically and land owning Sadducees will all be overcome and overthrown and be replaced by King Jesus. The Son of God, the glory like the glory days of King David some 900 years earlier. That's the expectation. To put this in perspective, Israel's been oppressed for over 700 years. We've just been a nation for what, 250? This would take you all the way back to the medieval days of like the 13th century when everyone spoke Latin pretty much. Imagine how long that is. This is the way it was supposed to turn out this first day of the week. Hosanna in the highest, they're technical words for kingship, just as much as the king shall come riding on a donkey, humble and yet triumphant, according to the prophet Zechariah 600 years earlier. The people knew what was going on. Jesus knew what was going on. He asked for the donkey. The whole thing meant kingship. It was supposed to turn out awesome. This is the way it's supposed to go. But we know how it really went down, don't we? By Thursday night, this would-be king is arrested. The disciples run for their lives. The whole thing is over. But we know. But we know how the story ends. And it changes your perspective when you know how the story ends, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you watch the rerun of Star Wars, which I think is on television nonstop. You watch any of those Star Wars shows and, you know... You know how it ends, right? The rebellion wins. Sorry, spoiler alert there for some of you. You know, you watch a rerun of Harry Potter and you know Voldemort's vanquished in the end. Uh, Read any of the four Gospels and we know Jesus is crucified and then unimaginably walks out of the tomb. That changes your perspective. We know how the story ends. Years ago, my uh, wife Lori came home and told me that she was uh, leading a small group of women and they were reading the Bible, right? And They were reading the Gospels and Some of the women had never read the Gospels before, right? And during the week, uh, one woman had read the story and told everyone how exciting the story was and how it had this incredible ending at the end of the Gospel. And then she stopped while she was telling the women this, and she said, Wait, I don't want to tell you how it ends and ruin it for you all. You know? And they all were like, Yeah, I can't wait to hear how it ends. So... um, So when you know how Holy Week ends, it it really changes your perspective, doesn't it? We all know this week is a journey of highest highs and lowest lows. Jesus clears the temple, the alarm bells go off. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus is gonna get in trouble with the Pharisees. They're gonna get all riled up and sure enough, the Pharisees come after Jesus full force, challenging, by what authority do you do this sort of thing? Clear the temple and all this sort of thing threatening him. And it's Passover week, not, uh, not to be missed, you know, that Jesus would do this during Passover week. <clears throat> and Jesus uh, comes in during this Passover week and starts making all of this sort of thing happen, right? He tells this parable about a vineyard and that the vineyard owner sends his own son His own son to take charge of the vineyard. But the tenants, the workers in the vineyard, murder the father's son. The Pharisees get the message. They're the murderous vineyard tenants, the ones who are supposed to be in charge of the vineyard. And they're doing a bad job, according to Jesus. And they're not happy about it. And I believe they hatch a plan right then and there to say, I think we're going to make this parable come true for this uh, vineyard owner's son. We're going to kill him. They're not happy with Jesus. Add on to the Pharisees' plan to secretly get rid of Jesus once and for all, and Jesus compares himself then to a Passover lamb, fit for slaughter. So this is sort of buying into the whole thing. More head-scratching. Thursday night comes, and the Last Supper has Jesus washing the disciples' feet, flipping over his whole authority role. And he's washing the disciples' feet, and he's telling the disciples, feed on me and drink my blood, just to get it even more crazy. And in the middle of the night Jesus is arrested while he prays in a garden and the disciples who are with him who had all fallen asleep by the way they all say that they're going to die for Jesus until the the soldiers show up and then they run for their lives. Instantly scatter. Yep. You know when you know how Holy Week ends it really changes your perspective doesn't it? So what do we do with Holy Week when you know how it ends? Well I suggest we do as a church what Christians have done for nearly 2,000 years. We take a hard look at ourselves. We take a very hard look at ourselves. And you have to ask the question naturally what would I have done if I were one of the disciples that week? Would I have run? Would I have taken a sword? Would I have stuck with Jesus and died with him? Would I have been just as ignorant and obtuse and misunderstanding as them? Or would I have really been studying the scriptures and know what to do? We take a hard look at ourselves. What would I have done if I had been there? Holy Week begins with this hosanna, this welcoming, this welcoming. Cries of Hosanna to King Jesus, and it ends with Jesus' body lying in a tomb behind a large rock. And we take a hard look at ourselves to ponder what would I have done if I had been there? If you follow the week, and I'm asking us to follow the week day by day, would we have cried out Hosanna in the highest and waved the palm branches and then run off? Would I deny Jesus three times like Peter? Would I have wept at the foot of the cross like Mary and the women? And you have to ask this question who am I? And what kind of follower of Jesus Christ am I? That's this week. That's what we do. This is the week of self examination. This is the week of self reflection. This is the week to ponder our devotion to Jesus. Who are we? What are we made of? How serious am I about the journey that I'm on? Am I spiritual? If there ever was a ready-made tool for self-examination, it's gotta be the 139th Psalm. The 139th Psalm, I know bits and pieces of it run through your brain if you don't even have it memorized, but it's there. Psalm 139 is so famous, it's like the crescent wrench of scripture. You know, you can just use it as a hammer or whatever else you need to use it for. But Psalm 139 is the Psalm of King David, some 900 years before Jesus. So here's part of Psalm 139. It, you do well to keep it close this week, by the way. Psalm 139, verse one. "O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Remember it now. Oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my line down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Go to verse 13. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I may know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Search me and know me. That's David's prayer of examination. Psalm 139 is the prayer of devotion. It says, I am thinking about myself and my God and the world around me, and it's actually too much for me to even comprehend. David looks inside and he realizes he's really not in control. And I can tell you after years and years of taking people away on solitude and silent retreats and fasting, that eventually every retreatant gets around to admitting what I found out. Is that I'm not in control. And then we rediscover that all the time. We're not in control. God is. David realizes he's not master of his fate. He knows that he doesn't even realize or understand how he was even shaped and why he's even here. It must be for God's glory. This knowledge must sink down into our guts, everyone. This is is the man, this is the woman who understands they don't understand the mind of God. And anybody who says they do understand is just fabricating things. Forget a God who's angry at people for cheap, petty sins. That's just religion. Instead, be struck speechless by not knowing how your story will end. All we know is Holy Week. That's the story we know. And when you know how Holy Week ends, it really changes your perspective, doesn't it? I gave you this um, little bookmark. Hopefully you got it. Um, just a little thing for the week. You know, It's called a welcome prayer. And this is kind of my version of it. Welcome prayer kind of came into fashion here a few years ago. The women's ministry around here have a, a really nice welcome prayer. You can ask them about it um, if you'd like. I think there's is really... Closer to the real thing there. But I kind of adopted mine. I thought it appropriate because it welcomes the Holy Spirit to come into our daily life. So people will use a welcome prayer like every morning. Welcome, Lord. I welcome you into my life this day. Here I am. What you see is what you get. May I follow you. It can be as simple as that. The sun rises. You welcome the Lord. Daily bread each day has enough worries of its own. So here's the way this one goes. It's a confession. I confess, I let go of my need for security and survival. Welcome, come Holy Spirit, whom shall I fear? That's the first one. So you let go of your needs for security and survival, you let go of fear, because fear is very human. And to say you let go of fear and say, I trust you Lord, that's a big, 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 big step. Some of us are driven by fear and we just wanna know how it's all gonna end. We wanna be in control and we have to confess to God That only God knows how the story turns out. And who shall we fear? Come, Holy Spirit. Guide my life this day without fear. And then the next one says, I let go of my need for approval and affection. Welcome. Come, Holy Spirit. Only you, Lord. Nothing else makes me feel loved. Just you. I won't trust in anything else. We let go of our needs for approval and affection. Some of us work so hard to impress and be loved and be useful and be special. And we let go of trying to be a little God. And only you, Lord, welcome, come, Holy Spirit. And then the last one is for those of us who say, I need to let go of my need for power and control. Welcome, come, Holy Spirit. I bend my knee to you. I am not all powerful, but you are. We let go of our need for power and control and belonging and trying to control everyone around us. And some of us feel so lost when we're not when we're not connected and and, um, you know, when ignored, uh, you know, we suffer for the whole thing. And the world's not perfect, and we just want the world to be so perfect, and it's not perfect. And we just want to be in such control of everything, and we just let go of that control. And we fall to our knees at the foot of the cross. Welcome, come Holy Spirit. Maybe this thing will work for you. Maybe not. That's, a, that's fine. But it's the sort of thing that maybe you just want to try and find a habit of getting into a welcome welcome. Welcome, Lord, every day, especially in the springtime. It's a perfect time for it as the sun comes up, you know. Welcome. Come, Holy Spirit. Search me, O God, I confess. This is the week of self-examination, and I hope and pray that you have, like, the Gospel of Matthew right there in um, Matthew 21 and forward and if you could follow or pick whatever of the four gospels you want probably the first three will be better since they're the synoptic ones but follow through the week and see how the day plays out you really can do it sort of in real time if you want to call it that where you can see what happens throughout the day right all the way up through the whole entire week and it goes that way amen